Kim, and we are two paranormal investigators who delve into the depths of the famous and not-so-famous cases of Moida ghosts, legends, and lore with a healthy dose of debunking. Debunking, indeed. How has your week been, Gabby? Oh, my week has been chaos. <laughs> How has your week been, Kim? Ah, a little chaotic. A little chaotic, that's true. Um... I, I got cast in a show. Yeah, I was telling you about that before we started recording, so that's fun news. Congratulations. Thank you. If you're local and you feel like coming out to Bainbridge Island in October and November, you can see me in a show. You should do it. Yeah, it should be a good time. Uh, but yeah, otherwise we're going into our, our kind of final weeks of theater camps, and so it's a little bit um, hectic. <laughs> Love that for you. Love that. Uh, editing for my, my horror films, and so that's also a little hectic. And then prepping for this episode, too. Prepping for this episode, because I, I got off the hook for an extra week because you had that fantabulous double episode. Ooh, the double. The double, but now uh, now it's my turn. She's back. And I really told you nothing about this, which is kind nope. of fun. I love when you yeah. do that, because then we can see my facial expressions. <laughs> I, I love your facial expressions. It's where I hope, you know, one of our Patreon options is uh, you can see the videos of when we're recording unedited, uh, including the little show I put on just before I was playing around with some funny voices. Oh, that was a uh, good time. It was a good time. But uh, you get to actually see Gabby's faces uh, <laughs> that she makes if you uh, if you are a certain level of our our patrons on patreon yep. so there you go really turn into a full beaker you know what i mean <laughs> it is true it's a great beaker impression <laughs> uh no it, this was kind of an interesting one i came across this when i was looking up a couple ideas for cases you know i have my whole little notebook full of things but i nothing was inspiring me so i looked up uh some new things and you know i love an old case yes i do uh, I love an old, weird, not fully explained case. You mean an unsolved case? An unsolved case, yes. But one, okay, this is this is such a bizarre one. I came across it while reading an article about like weird, unexplained cases. Uh, on May 12th of 1947, a young couple from Mimico, Ontario, Canada, eloped. Ooh. Happy day. Happy day. However, only eight days later, the cabin they would be honeymooning in would burn to the ground and the young woman would be found dead. Uh-oh. Today we're going to be talking about Christina Kettlewell, the eight-day bride. The eight-day bride? That's a short marriage. That is a very short marriage. Real quick. Uh, I do want to put out a warning we're going to be talking about someone's death by possible suicide. Oh. And so, yeah, so just giving a heads up to anyone where they may not want to listen to that content, that this might not be the best episode for you. Christina Moken and John Ray Kettlewell. Great names. Great names. Great names. John went by Jack to his friends. I'll be referring to him as Jack through most of this episode. Uh, they've been together for about three years. Jack was a 26-year-old war veteran stationed in the dental corps, and Christina was 21 or 22. Her age is often listed as 22, but if you're going by the birthday I found listed, she would have been a few months shy of 22 when she died. Okay. She worked at a bank. 
she was described as a capable employee and a very nice girl whom everyone liked, often the life of the party. Capable and life of the party. Look at that. Right. It's a good combo. One well, young man, 21, 22. <laughs> what it is to have energy. <laughs> that's that's one. Well, that's just young. It's young. She was a she was a young woman. Uh, now, Christina's family did not really approve of them being together. Uh, there was a lot of questions about another man around Christina, a friend of Jack's since childhood, 28-year-old Ronald Barry. He always seemed to be hanging out with them, giving her extra attention. She seemed fine with it. Ronald came to Canada from northern Italy with hopes of getting into construction and insurance, uh, which is, that's a combination. Sure is. But he, he was, he's usually listed as being a professional ballroom dancer. Oh, wow. What a reputation. It's a man of layers. It's like an onion. He's like Shrek. He's like Shrek. Now, beyond the whole Ronald situation, Christina's family didn't really like that Jack was not Catholic. Christina's father was an immigrant from Poland. So for him, this was like a thing. It's kind of a big deal. It was a big deal. Uh, I did read an account that Jack tried to win them over and even converted to Catholicism, but they were still really concerned, again, mostly about Ronald. They didn't really love Ronnie. Uh, that seemed to be the bulk of their objections. They came around to Jack, but they didn't like how much time the three of them spent together. And what I found really interesting is that Christina and Jack, uh, they were together before he went overseas to serve. They broke up and she started seeing another man. And Ronald would sometimes take Christina out just as a like, oh, you know, my best friend's girl. I'm going to I'm going to take her out and just kind of make sure she's she's being social while while her man is overseas, even if they've broken up. So Christina, after going out with Ronald one time broke up with this other guy because of something Ronald said to her which she wouldn't reveal but she she was really upset by whatever he said so that's already kind of weird a little bizarre a little weird it's a little bizarre now at the end of April of 1947 Christina didn't come home to her family's home one day so her her family is understandably concerned Barry would call Ronald Barry, Ronnie, to inform the family Christina was okay. And her sister would later say, quote, he called and said, I guess you're worried about this. And then he said she and Jack were married. Then he said that they had just got the license and were going to get married up north. He asked to meet him with Chris's suitcase. Mother and dad were very upset. Understandable. <laughs> Understandable. Like your your daughter is just suddenly like, oh hey man, I'm gonna go elope, and I know you don't really like the guy, but it's gonna happen, so deal with it. They eloped on May twelfth. From most of the accounts I read, her sister was present, um, but commented that leading up to the wedding and even during the wedding itself, Christina seemed drugged. Uh oh. I want you to press save on that. Okay. Uh, it was noted in later articles that. Ronnie may have purchased Christina's dress as well, which is kind of weird. That's kind of sketch. It's kind of sketch. It's just it's just odd more than anything else. Like I'm not even at this point. I'm not it sketched out. I'm just like, but why? But why? Hmm. But why? So the first couple days, uh, they stayed in an apartment in Ontario, and then they went to Barry's cabin. He had this little home. 
in Severn Falls, Ontario, on May 17th. Now, the only way to get there was by boat. Now, Gabby, you've honeymooned relatively recently. Did you bring a buddy along with you on the honeymoon, on your honeymoon? Sure did not. Yeah, because that's, that's weird that's, to bring somebody with you. To bring a person with you. I might have brought my dog had I had a dog, but... Sure. Different, different times back then. Different times. Uh, so, Jack and Christina, they phoned a friend. Oh, no. Ronnie? Ronnie. Ronnie. Yeah, Hello. Ronnie came with them. What a nothing like a third wheel on your honeymoon. That sounds hella romantic. So Christina's sister Helen would later say, when Jack and Christina got married, we thought it was very strange that Barry went along on the honeymoon. Uh, yeah, because it is. That's what made us wonder if Ronnie was also in love with Chris. Now, according to reports, Christina began acting kind of weird on the honeymoon. She was emotional. She was confused. She was crying a lot. Some articles I read even said she told Ronald she was having second thoughts about their marriage and that she was obsessing over whether or not Jack actually loved her. On May 20th, Ronald went out to sunbathe. When he got back, the cabin was on fire. Jack was inside and dazed with a head wound. There was no sign of Christina. They left to get Jack help. During this time, the cabin fully burned down. Jack would be treated for burns and a head wound. He also seemed to have drugs in his system. He said he couldn't remember anything after 11 a.m. One of the doctors who treated him would later testify. He was brought in in a wheelchair, shivering from a small cut on his head. His temperature was about normal. His blood pressure was low. His pupils were dilated. They acted a little sluggish in the light. He was kept there for two days. So obviously something had happened. It wasn't like, he wasn't faking this. Sure. Now, it would be a couple hours before Christina would be found dead, about 150 feet away from the cabin. She was face down in a nine-inch pool of water, clad in floral pajamas, having apparently drowned. She had no burn marks on her body, no signs of violence or defensive wounds, save for two small scratches on her left forehead and two small scratches on her right toe. She was barefoot, but had no other marks on the bottom of her feet. That's sketchy. That's sketchy. If someone walked barefoot through a rocky and unstable path through brush about 150 feet from the cabin. Their feet would be pretty messed up. Yeah. One would think they'd at least have a couple scratches. Yeah. Or a little bit dirtier. Dude, I walk around in sandals and my heels look wild. Like. Right? If you're barefoot, you're definitely going to have residue. She had traces of codeine in her stomach. Uh-oh. Remember her sister's comments about seeming drugged? Yes, During I sure the marriage? Mm-hmm. Mm. There was evidence. Evidence. To suggest that the amount found was a much larger dose that had been taken before she died. Sketchy. There's also the way in which her body was found. Uh, It was noted that if she had simply turned over on her back, she wouldn't have drowned. That's how shallow the water was. The water would not have even covered her face. She would not have washed up there if she jumped into a deeper part of the water. Not with the way the current was or where the body was found. 
And weirder still, because uh, one of the gentlemen who had been going to the river to get water to try to put the fire out, he walked by where her body was found and he couldn't, he didn't recall seeing any sign of her. Now, when questioned, Jack tried to piece together that morning. He said he'd had a, quote, okay morning. He ate lunch with Christina, but Ronnie didn't eat with them. He'd only eaten a little when he felt sick to his stomach. He remembers asking Christina if she felt sick, but couldn't remember her response. The next thing he recalls is waking up because Ronnie was slapping him on the face, saying the house was on fire. Ronald was questioned for about 13 hours. He presented a 3,000-word statement, all very clearly laying out where he was, where Jack was, everything he recalled happening. And it was almost a little bit too prepared. Huh. Like, your bestie just had an accident. Your cabin burns down. His wife turns up dead, who you're also supposedly friends with. And I realize not everyone deals with stressful situations the same way. I'm not trying to judge his reaction to things. But the statement came across as prepared ahead of time. And the police would even describe it as, quote, fantastic. Interesting. And what's extra weird to me, I'm going to say that a lot, what's extra weird to me. There's a lot of really weird things in this whole case. Is that this account differs from what he would later say. So remember me mentioning when um, Ronald got back and saw Jack there that there was no sign of Christina? Yes. This is what is usually recounted. Got it. In the statement he originally gave to police, he said something different. Quote, I came in again after 6.30 p.m. or nearly 7 to find Christina sitting in a chair in the living room facing the doorway and Jack lying where I had left him only this time the pillow was all covered with blood. I got some water ready and started to wash his face and hair to see where the cut was. I asked Christina what had happened, but she just looked up at me and didn't say a word. It all happened in a couple of minutes, and I noticed that there was a terrible smell of coal oil in the cottage. I thought that the best place for Jack in his sick condition was possibly outside. Now again, is it possible when this case is getting summarized in other accounts it is misreporting what ronnie said sure a a lot of the details in this case are inconsistent or don't add up it was it was hard to trace because i was relying very heavily in what was reported in papers which is always a little bit of a danger um but also what was said in the trial but it it's weird, right? That is very weird. And it just hints that there's like something not normal going on, but it's hard to pinpoint what it is exactly. What it is exactly. And that's kind of this case in a nutshell. Like, well, just wait. <laughs> there's more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Okay, so more shocking reveals were to come because. A suicide letter would be found dated April 6th, just over a month before they eloped. Christina had written after she allegedly tried to poison herself. I have done everything but propose, and he hasn't asked me to marry him. This will be the best way out, but I cannot bear to see another girl have him. Oh, that's so sad. It's real sad. Then at the end of April, around the same time that she didn't come home to her folks' house... She'd write another letter to Ronald. This time, not only trying to take her own life, but Jack's as well. 
Oh, no. Here's another excerpt. I guess when you read this letter, things will be kind of changed some. I feel like a heel placing you in such a predicament as you've been better than a brother to me. But what can I do? When you love someone, you really love him. And I know there is no one for me but Jack. And if I cannot have him, I do not intend anyone else to. I waited, as you might say, in the hope that Jack would ask me to marry him. But I now realize I'm just a passing fancy. Jack is in the bedroom asleep, little knowing what is coming. I hope you won't judge me too harshly, but you know what I told you would happen if Jack threw me aside. Oh, yikes. Now, according to experts who would look at this letter, they were written by Christina. And this is very strange to me. For a number of reasons. Um, the talk of the other man she was potentially involved with, I also find strange that she's having who wanted to marry her that she's having the strong feelings about everything happening with jack it's hard when we're getting all of these accounts secondhand like we're reading these letters obviously but we're hearing from jack and from ronnie and from her sisters and family how she was feeling how she was acting we don't have her to say anything sure and all we have really are these letters and other and secondhand accounts. So it's it's hard to sort of say what could have been going through her mind or if something else was going on. And again, kind of press save on that. Now, there was one last letter. This letter was addressed to Mrs. Thomas, who owned the place that Jack and Christina stayed in uh, right after they got married, that apartment. So Christina gave this letter to Ronald and asked him to send it for her. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's quite long, but here's a section of it. I've been doing a lot of thinking these last few days and have come to the conclusion that it would be better for all concerned if I just ended it all. Being burnt to death is not the nicest thing in the world to do, but it is the only way. Anyway, Mickey, Mickey was her uh, deceased brother, always said that I would be with him soon. Ronnie is in the boat outside somewhere. By the time he gets back, everything will be all over with. He must have been afraid something would happen because he is staying an extra day to make sure we go back to Toronto with him. Now, this does support that her death was suicide. Sure. But Gabby, I have some questions. <laughs> Kim's got questions. So, Ronald had read at least the first two. The last one he hadn't read uh, initially, but he had read at least these first two prior to them going, prior to them being married. He says nothing to Jack. That seems weird. That seems weird. He doesn't say, hey, Jack, you know that day you both were super sick? Christina did that. That seems weird. It seems like he's in on it. It seems like he's in on it or could have something to gain by it that potentially he could be, I don't know. Again, uh, we're starting to get into the speculation and I, I haven't given you all the facts yet, all but right. it's it's odd, right? It's mm -hmm. odd that that no effort is made to get her help. And I again, I realize this is the 1940s. Um, getting help would have been a very different thing, especially for a woman. Sure. But even like going to her family talking to her sisters who obviously love and care about her. I, I don't know. 
again, I'm guilty sometimes of viewing things from a 2023 lens. I'm just shocked that he didn't do anything, at least warn Jack. Like, hey, man, Christina's not in a good way. Let's try to help her. He keeps him in the dark. Uh, Jack didn't have any idea about any of this until after Christina died. I also find it really interesting that Ronald not only kept the first two letters, uh, he actually saved them from the cabin. So while the cabin was burning down, he made sure the, to save the letters? Mm-hmm. Like, including this third one, that, that he made a point of, like, taking these letters. That seems like a motive of some sort. It's odd. It's weird. And if, yeah. if, if this is how I saw it reported, that he took the letters from the cabin. If this is incorrect and he had the letters, like, at home, then apologies. But the way I saw it reported everywhere was that he took these letters. Yeah, that's that's weird. Now, I'm not the only one who has some questions. Ooh. <laughs> An inquest into her death began on June 19th of 1947. And if things were weird before. Uh-oh. <laughs> now, most of the attention seemed to be centering on uh, Ronnie and his presence and all this. A man named C.P. Hope was appointed as the Special Crown Counsel. Ooh. He called Barry, Ronald Barry. I keep saying either Ronald or Barry, so it. apologies if that gets confusing. Yeah. A liar of the most blatant kind whose sinister figure permeates the whole of this tragedy, but whose purpose and design are shrouded in mystery. What a quote. That's a really good quote. Man, this guy had a way with words. He had some real rocking quotes throughout this. Helen, Christina's sister, would testify to the fact that Christina had, quote, expressed fear of both Ronald and Jack, which I found really interesting in light of this next part. Remember what you said about him having some motives? Yes. (laughs) It would come to light that Barry had two separate life insurance policies for Jack and Christina. Um, Gabby, do you have any life insurance policies for your friends? I do not. I don't even have one for myself. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) it's a bigger deal when you have like kids or you know family you need support but each of these life insurance policies was for five thousand dollars which is almost seventy thousand dollars today and they each had a clause that he would get double the payout if they died in an accident i feel like this is familiar (laughs) Mm. this is a familiar feeling of that uh paging bell gunness Paging Bell Gunnis. Bell Gunnis, please come to the front desk. We have some questions. Spilled milk on aisle five? Spilled milk on aisle five. He had another $5,000 insurance policy on his little house that they were staying in for their honeymoon. Can you say it with me now? Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Now, it would also come out that Christina gave Barry a promissory note somewhere between 13000 and 15000 uh, Canadian dollars. I saw both listed. Uh, her husband had no knowledge of any of this. She gave him this note saying, you know, she would pay him back in return for a loan. Now, initially I had trouble tracing it, but I found some newspaper articles referencing blackmailers because she'd been attacked in Toronto. 
Press save on that. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit. Pressing save. According to this paper, they had threatened to tell her father that she'd been raped by them. What? Yeah, again, press save. We're going to we're going to circle back. Uh but that promissory note, that'd be somewhere in the ballpark of $200,000 by today's standards. Again, a substantial amount of money. Christina's engagement ring, which had been borrowed, was said to be worth around $1,000 to $1,300, was never recovered. Jack also had his will changed to give all of his money for being, for serving, you know, his military pension, to Jack. You might be asking yourself, why do this? And that is an excellent question. A question police also had for Jack. Oh, and Kim. (laughs) And Kim. But at least the police were on it. They're like, hmm, friends, this seems strange. Um, Now, Jack gave a statement where he admitted to the uh, inquest that he had had a long-term affair with none other than his good buddy, Ronald. An article that ran in the Star would say, quote, when Kettlewell, after vigorous questioning, agreed with Mr. Hope's repeated suggestion that he and Barry were male lovers, the fantastic triangle of twister and thwarted emotions took shape. Oh, this is so much more fun now. I miss uh, when newspapers talk like that. Also, like, a queer angle. Love that. Yeah. So Jack described to the police the sexual acts he and Ronnie engaged in from 1940 until he joined the Dental Corps in 1943. He didn't meet Christina until 1942. During Hope's questioning of Jack, Hope would say, I don't want to embarrass this man, but it may be that this relationship has something to do with the girl's death. Oh. Okay. Alluding, I mean, there's a couple ways you could take that. You could take it that they conspired. You could also take it that she found out they were lovers, and that's what drove her to do what she did. Sure. Now, when it came out that Ronald, not Jack, had gotten the rings and things needed for the wedding and that the reason he came along on the honeymoon was to help with the luggage. (laughs) Is that in air quotes? (laughs) I I guess that's what the kids are calling it these days. (laughs) Hey, man, you want to help with the luggage? Mm, That luggage is really big and heavy. (laughs) That trunk. That badonk. Let me put the luggage in the trunk. In that trunk. (laughs) junk in the trunk oh my god what's wrong with us oh so many things we'll make a list uh <laughs> but but after this hope actually said after finding this out you are most unusual men <laughs> hope is very funny. quotable uh, yeah that's pretty funny also just like i mean i'm sorry bro it's weird your bestie came on your honeymoon to help with luggage. That's not a real thing. No. You had to know people were going to think that way. Even in 1947, people are going to be like, no, 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 that's strange. That's true. Evidence. Evidence. Would come out that showed numerous trips taken by the two alone up north. Mm. Now, again, I, I want to say, like, two dudes going on a trip together, that does not translate to they were automatically male lovers. No, um, not at all. But with everything else, including Ronald coming with them on their honeymoon, it's kind of sketchy. It raises some questions. It sure does. And eyebrows. <laughs> now, it is important to note, Jack would later retract his side of the statement saying, quote, 
That is what the police were trying to make and alluding to being coerced into a false statement. Uh, and then Ronald was like, yeah, man, we didn't have a sexual relationship after 1939. So suck it. He didn't say the suck it part. I just <laughs> like he did. <laughs> he said that? Oh, oh yes. Fun. Suck it. Suck it like you did. Uh, but again, even even there, they're contradicting each other. That's true. There would there would be more revelations during Helen's testimony. She said that Christina had told her she'd been drugged on two separate occasions. She'd been drinking something at breakfast and then was knocked out. And remember her sister saying, like, oh, it seemed like she was drugged on her wedding day. Yep. It seemed like she was drugged. Yeah. So Helen would testify, quote, when she came to, Ronnie said everyone knew she and Jack were married. She said it put her in an awful position and that she might as well go through with it. Oh, yeah, yeah. This was, yeah, and this was after Ronald made the phone call to her family. So she was not technically married yet, but the license had been retrieved. And Helen remarked her sister seemed very distressed. And she said, quote, she seemed quite upset. She wouldn't sit down. She kept walking around. She was nervous and she wouldn't listen to anyone. Helen was so alarmed, she went to the police to see if they could stop the wedding. And Helen was asked, did she have any knowledge of her sister being blackmailed? And Helen said she did not. Now, the questioning continues. This is a this next is an exchange from the questioning. What did your sister say when she came back from her stay at the Barger apartment? She said she wanted to go to Hamilton's to see Eddie Skura. And Eddie was apparently another man that Christina knew. Remember, I mentioned she had been seeing another dude. This was the dude. The family liked this guy. So Helen was questioned, did she say anything to you on your way to the train station? And Helen responded, yes, she said she was afraid of Ronnie and Jack. So they asked, did you ever know her to be afraid of Ronnie and Jack before? And she responded, no. They asked, did she give any reason for being afraid? And again, Helen responded, no. And they asked, did your sister say anything about signing anything for Ronnie? And Helen said yes. Uh-oh. According to Helen, Christina had told her that Ronnie and Jack were writing a story for a New York magazine, because that's normal, and that they were messing around with handwriting. Because, again, that's normal. Not normal. That's sketch. That's sketch. Christina would tell Helen they wanted her to write her name, which she did, but then worried she'd signed her name to something she would regret. Like Possibly. what? Well, my mind went to the promissory note. Okay. Helen was questioned about this. Did she disclose the nature of the thing she had signed, whether it was a single piece of paper or what? And she responded, no. She said she discovered Ronnie and Jack were a bunch of crooks. Oh. Now again... <laughs> She didn't elaborate on that. That could mean so many things. Yep. That could be she discovered they were lovers. That could be they were swindling her for money. That could be, that could be, that could be. We don't know. And we could speculate, but we don't know. Uh, a handwriting expert would then testify. He was shown the, the promissory note, and he testified that the signature on the document was Christina's, but, quote, it is my considered opinion that there is no reason for doubt that the signature was written before the last two lines of writing. 
and he would testify that the writing on the note was Barry's. So that takes me back to the fact that perhaps that is what Ronnie was asking Christina to sign. But if that is the case, Jack was apparently in the room for that. So Jack would have known. Unless Jack thought it was all a goof. But again, the whole thing just seems really strange. Yeah, it's really bizarre. It just seems like weird. It's just weird because there's so many different possibilities of what could have happened. And they're both acting strange. Ronnie seems super sketch. Jack seems, I don't even know, that even if the end result is, you know, she died by suicide, their behavior is just so out there and strange, you just question a lot. And things are going to get stranger. So Charles Sweet. Great name. Whole new name. Great name. Great name. He worked as a boatman. A boatman. He drove a boat. He testified he'd driven Ronald and a friend to the house a number of times. A friend, quote unquote. On top of that, two days before the fire and Christina's death, Ronald asked him to pick uh, him up on Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. He also asked that Charles bring a gallon of gasoline and a gallon of coal oil. Oh, that's sketchy as shit. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Suspicious. Now, Charles Sweet was not able to procure the gasoline. He did provide the coal oil. He saw Ronnie again on Monday, and he said that Ronald asked him to take a message uh, to be phoned in and to come back on Tuesday. Now, Mrs. Edith Thomas... I'd mentioned Mrs. Thomas earlier. She is the person who uh, had the apartment that Christina and Jack had stayed in before they went on their honeymoon officially. And she is also the person that the third suicide note was written to. She testified that Ronnie had lived in her home. She had known him for about 13 years, and she said that Jack had stayed with him, and they slept in the day bed together. There were plenty of beds, though, right? She's like, okay. Can... <laughs> I, I mean, maybe they were just roomies who shared a bed. Maybe I don't know. Maybe. 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 Uh, she said she did know Christina and that she was a, quote, very nice, a lovely girl. She said that Ronald had been having money problems. She said that the day Jack and Christina got married, Christina looked terrified. Christina's sisters came over. They were pressing her about another man whom Christina had wanted to marry. They did not want her to marry Jack. And then apparently Ronnie said, Look here, Chris, I'm not asking you to marry Jack or not to marry Jack. But if you don't want to marry him, go with your sister. If you do want to marry him, stay. Just like make up your mind. Make up your mind. Shit yeah. or get off the pot. Right. Christina would say that she did want to marry Jack and Ronnie then asked the sisters to leave. But again, why is Ronnie the one doing the pressuring? That's interesting, isn't it? Like, why isn't Jack being like, what? Jack should have been saying that. Or Jack should have been saying like, hey, man, if you're having troubles, let's put a pin in this. Let's talk. Let's take some time. Ronnie is very involved. Yeah, he is. And why is he so invested in Jack and Christina getting married? Maybe to normalize any suspicion on them having a relationship. 
so Mrs. Thomas, she says that later he calls her and says Jack and Christina have fallen very ill. And that he found a letter from Christina. This would be the second letter, Mm -hmm. the second suicide note, where Christina says she's going to kill herself and Jack. Okay. Uh, They closed out Mrs. Thomas's questioning by asking if she was owed money by Ronnie. And Mrs. Thomas said yes. Mrs. Thomas's husband, Mr. Thomas. (laughs) Makes sense. Took the stand. Uh, He was asked about Ronald and Jack's relationship. He was asked, who was the dominating personality between Barry and Kettlewell? And his response, there is no doubt about that, Barry. And again, this line of questioning is so amusing to me. Uh, the question was asked, Kettlewell was, as you might say, Barry's boyfriend? <laughs> I thought you were going to say Barry's bottom. <laughs> I, I feel like in the 1940s, they weren't supposed to say that. <laughs> Maybe boyfriend was the term for that. I don't know. Mm. Uh, Mr. Thomas's response, that is very apt. Oh. Then he was asked, Kettlewell, was it Barry's beck and call? Mr. Thomas responded, yes. And then he was asked, before Chris and Kettlewell went to the cottage, was Chris in any way afraid of Barry? Mr. Thomas responded, I asked her if she was happy about the whole thing. She said she was afraid that if the three of them went up there together, something might happen. I told her she did not have to go. If it all didn't go well, we could go up and get her and bring her home. He then said, Christina revealed, Ronnie has all Jack's money and he owes me $200. That's not good. That's not good. She also made it clear she did not want Ronnie coming along. Uh, I will say there was an expert testimony after this, a doctor of psychiatry. His whole testimony was kind of insulting. Uh, I don't really feel compelled to include it because his views were so off base that I can't take anything he said seriously. For example, if you're curious, <clears throat> quote, Homosexuals are those who have not reached sexual maturity. Lol. It is a sexual adjustment through which we all pass. In some people, the homosexual tendencies continue for a long time. Eventually, we reach the period of sexual adjustment. Is this, but I'm a cheerleader? (laughs) I appreciate that reference. (laughs) Yeah. Uh... That's what it sounds like, truly. It does. And honestly, as soon as I started reading that, I was like, nothing you say is something I can take seriously as a psychiatrist. I can't. No. And nothing you say is worth repeating. So I'm going to skip over that testimony. That's a fair assessment. Uh, Now, a friend of Christina's, Louise Rodman, testified. And she does lend some credit to the idea not was all right with Christina. So you remember me mentioning the blackmail Yeah, that Christina said she had to borrow money from Ronnie because she was being blackmailed. So Louise Rodman testified that uh, in April, 
Christina had come to her. And she said, quote, she told me she had been invited to Toronto and that she had wakened up the next day in a strange apartment with her clothes off. She asked if there could be something wrong with her. So Louise Robin was asked if there could be something mentally wrong with Christina. And her response was basically, it was kind of hard to describe. Um, she had encouraged Christina go, to go to a doctor after Christina reported this. And Christina revealed a bruise on her stomach from where she'd been attacked. But after a trip to the doctor, nothing could be verified. What? A letter was shown that had been written to Louise Rodman's brother, <laughs> or his brother-in-law, excuse me, uh, on April 17th of 1946. And it said... Since Sunday night, I've been worried sick. I went to my club dance as usual, only this time it was held in West Toronto. Little did I realize I would be attacked by four sex maniacs. Yes, me of all people. Which, again, is a bit odd. Just that description. <laughs> it's vivid. Uh, I, again, I, I know it's, it's the 1940s. It was a different time. Mrs. Rodman also disclosed a phone call with Christina shortly before she married, where she said she couldn't marry Jack because if she did, she would also be marrying Ronnie and no woman wants two husbands. That is Word. a fair point. <laughs> that is that is fact. That is hashtag fact. Facts. The inquest was closed out by reminding the jury of the fact Christina was found without any shoes or socks, yet no marks on her feet. Quote, could she have been carried down to the water? And if so, who could have carried her? Hmm. Good question. Oh, it should be absolutely noted that both Jack and Ronnie were signing autographs outside the courthouse. So, like, they might Ew. not be guilty of murder, but they're guilty of being gross. I was going to say they're guilty of being assholes. Yeah, that's, that's disgusting. I'm sorry. That's gross. Now, the jury ultimately left the verdict open. They were divided on what could have happened. Their statement said, quote, Due to the fact that the post-mortem examination disclosed coding in the stomach of the deceased and due to the suspicious fact that she was found drowned, this jury is unable to decide on the evidence, evidence. given whether or not foul means were employed in her death. So this leads us to a couple different theories as to what could have happened. The first is that Christina did indeed die by suicide. She wrote the three suicide notes. Handwriting was confirmed as hers. It's interesting to me that despite the fact these notes were written to two different people, Ronnie was the one that was in possession of all of them. And yes, for the third note, she gave it to him to give to Mrs. Thomas, to mail to Mrs. Thomas. But I just find it fascinating he's the common factor there. Particularly if she's telling other people she's scared of him, why is she giving him these notes? Unless... She's and not. I hate to say this. Well, she's not. Or the possibility does exist that she had something wrong with her that led to her being something of a compulsive liar. And that could explain some of the things she was telling her sisters, some of the things she was telling her friends about being afraid of them. It is possible that none of that was actually true. 
And this is a situation where the fact that both Jack and Ronnie acted so weird, mostly Ronnie, but Jack a little bit too, that it's really easy to look at this as being suspicious when in reality, no, they were both just being kind of creeps. And, and you know, she was in distress and took certain actions. So that is one theory. Okay. And I mean, I have to say, I was absolutely influenced by how gross Ronnie seemed to be. That it was really easy. And, and to the fact where I actually, I had to stop myself a few times because it was so easy to try to twist the narrative to make him 100% at fault because I just found him kind of revolting. That happens. Yeah. It happens, but it's not being unbiased then. It's not being fair. True. Now, the second theory is that Jack and Ronald were in on something shady. Specifically, they wanted to have Christina die and profit from her death with the life insurance policy, the missing ring, the promissory notes, uh, all the suspicion that Jack and Ronald were lovers. They were working together. So, yeah, that's absolutely possible. Uh, it's possible it's something that Ronnie pressured Jack into going along with, and Jack wasn't necessarily into it. But as everybody seemed to report, he was pretty subservient to Ronnie. The final theory is that Jack had nothing to do with this, was also a target from Ronald, um, that Ronald originally intended for both Christina and Jack to die and collect all of that money, but ended up pulling Jack out for whatever reason. And again, it could be some combination of all three of them. Like Jack and Randall, you know, Jack and Ronnie were were up to something shady, but Ronnie was planning on double crossing and then didn't. And maybe they were trying to push Christina in a certain way, or maybe she was lying about things or she was genuinely trying to kill Jack. It's, I think honestly, a huge part of it is that it reminds me a little of Gone Girl, where you're looking at somebody's behavior and you're having a hard time getting past how gross their behavior is. And so it's like you could be completely innocent, but you're acting like such a jackass. That it's hard to you, look at the innocent side. It's hard to look at the innocent side. It's easy to glob onto anything. I I checked myself a lot in this where I'm like, do I really think that Ronnie did something or do I just not like him? And I want the narrative to be that he's the one responsible. Well, but it also kind of seems, it just seems like there's a lot of manipulation happening. Absolutely. On like multiple fronts. On multiple fronts. That's the thing. Honestly, the only one who doesn't seem as manipulative is Jack, but it seems mostly because he's going along with what anybody else wants. It's hard to know who the reliable source is, I guess. It's hard to know who the reliable source is when you're piecing this together mostly from newspaper clippings and statements. So what happened? Well, Jack got married again about three years later. He initially uh, was living in the same house that, that he'd had uh, when he was married to Christina before moving like across the street. Uh, it's funny too, because his wife would even comment like he, his, they separated at some point, but never got divorced. And his, his wife would comment that he was just somebody who kind of went along with things. He wasn't really, didn't take a lot of initiative. He was happy to, to follow. Uh, 
What I thought was bonkers is that his kids, his son specifically, spoke in some articles about how no one in this family talked about this. No one in this family knew about it. Oh, really? It was something that happened pretty late in his life because um, his son, uh, his son Richard, married somebody who she had found reference to it in an article somewhere and was like, is this your dad? Oh, my God. Are you serious? And Richard was like, I think it is. But his dad was old enough then they didn't want to bring it up with him because he, he died nearly 2000s. So his son then in, in more recent years has talked a little bit about it because he's really curious trying to find out what happened. Uh, and the daughter-in-law actually said in one of the articles I read, I called it our JFK, the unsolved mystery. What really happens? Huh. But even Richard reiterated that his dad was easygoing, hated conflict, which could have explained how he ended up marrying Christina, even if he had reservations about it. I was wrong. Uh, his dad died in 1998, not the early 2000s. Eh, tomato, tomato. Tomato, tomato. Close enough. But any further answers would have died with him. Um, Ronald Barry disappeared in 1956. Oh, dang, really? And he left behind his dog oh. to Jack's son. And as far as we know, never had any contact with Jack again. I, I tried to find out if I could get more information on, on Ronald. I did not find anything. I suspect he changed his name. So without knowing his new alias was going to be real hard to figure out. Sure. Yeah. I think at this point, the only way we're going to know what happened to him is if we somehow stumble across, like, if we had a sample of his DNA and somebody took an ancestry test, but we don't, so we're never going to be able to trace it. Shucks. Unless we can trace it to some other relatives of his, but now we're getting really complicated. So this whole case, it's part of what I finished researching and I was like, what is this? Because it's baffling. Yeah. And it went down and as a suicide the whole time? It's, again, it's not a Officially, like it was left open, but they could not find enough concrete evidence, evidence. to label it as not a suicide. Because, again, you can kind of shape a couple of different narratives. Um, Jack had drugs in his system. Jack was disoriented. Christina had drugs in her system. Now, you could take that as both of them being drugged. You could also take that that she did it. She had possibly done it before. Jack had gotten sick. She had gotten sick. Now, the struggle is, is that we mostly hear about this from Ronald. And I think this is the problem. And this is what I struggled with when researching. Ronald comes off as such a suspicious character that you question everything he says. So when he's telling people that Christina and Jack were sick and that he thinks Christina did it, you're like, mm, okay, sure, buddy. But he could be, he could have been telling the truth. Christina could have genuinely been trying to kill her husband because she was trying to murder suicide them. And that's the that's the struggle that Ronnie all by himself is super suspicious. You almost have to put that to the side. If 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 <laughs> like take half of his actions out of the equation. Do we think Christina could have done it? Yes, but I think also, Christina did it. I think it's also really weird that Ronnie just disappeared. Like, why would he do oh, that if he absolutely. was innocent? 
like but he disappears 10 years after the fact so i didn't even think his disappearance had anything to do with this case <laughs> it's like a curse or no curse situation it's it's almost more frustrating to me than curse or no curse because <sighs> i wonder if ronnie recognized how vulnerable christina was and pushed that it's possible I wonder if he was hoping she would do something. And I wonder if part of him was maybe even like ready for her to do something to Jack. Like, I wonder if he's something a little bit of a, this is, sorry, this might be a poor example for some people, but an H. H. Holmes who was very financially motivated where most of his crimes had to do with money and circumstance. And like, well, if she kills Jack, I'd be bummed out because I like Jack. But I want to be ready so I can get money. And if she doesn't kill Jack, cool, she doesn't kill my friend. Like, there's sociopaths, there's people who can think that way, I I think, who can put things in sort of a, well, I'd be bummed if Jack died. But if I can profit from it, it might be worth it. Very messed up, but very possible. It's very messed up, it's very possible, but it's, it's... all speculation and and that's i think the really frustrating thing and i think that's what the jury kind of tried to express in their ultimate findings is that all we can do really is speculate and it's maddening that we can't do more because it's at the end of the day a, a young woman died a very young woman and um her family didn't really get closure on that did did is it something she did herself because she was in that much pain and that much distress is, is, was she murdered? Uh, but I, I, that was when I started going down this rabbit hole, I, I just got really frustrated. Understandably. I feel like I generally get frustrated in these situations when we don't have answers. It's, it's true. I think part of why this one got me is there were times where, um, There were times where I got a little down on myself because I was so easily swayed into the Ronnie is super shady and had to have done it camp, which is not being fair. It's not being unbiased. I try really hard to stay fact based. And I think this time I let myself get very much. (laughs) That's understandable, though. Like, I can see why like that. It makes sense that you would think that. But I think it's a fair point to point it out, too, because I think it's a good reminder for listeners when they're hearing our stories that we talk about of not getting biased. I know I got a bit biased on the last episode, but we were talking about ghost adventures and we all know how we feel about that. Um, But it is easy to see someone be like, wow, look at that shitty person. They should be doing shitty things because they're a shitty person. So. No, I hate that I keep coming back to the con girl reference, but it's it's how I sometimes check myself as like there's cases where you really don't like something, but not or someone, but not liking someone. Like being a dick isn't illegal. <laughs> is that going to be our like quote for this episode? <laughs> being a dick isn't illegal. Man, if being a dick was illegal, I'd be fucked. <laughs> That's the quote for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but you see what I'm saying? Like, yes, 
it it's it is really really easy to look at someone and be like you seem like a shitty human you were makes you were making someone's life actively worse you must be guilty also of murder and that's really unfair there's plenty of shitty people out there who've never murdered anyone there are also plenty of people who seem very nice that did exactly but it's it's uh, we don't have enough evidence evidence to draw a conclusion. I mean, if you're looking strictly at evidence, you know, again, the handwriting experts say that that she wrote those notes. Now, do I wonder if it's possible she could have been coerced? Yeah. Potentially. Um, but I also don't know if that's partially me wanting to fit a certain narrative. So I'm I'm trying to kind of like, is it possible that, that, you know, Ronnie m- made her write them? Sure. Or coerced to do it, you know, when she talked about being drugged. But I also look at some of the things she's saying to her friends. And I'm like, is she telling her friends the truth? Is she lying? We don't know. We don't have enough evidence. Evidence. So I, I, I was, I did read one reference that also said, um, the police files are sealed or that people don't have access to them. Well, and part of that, I think, comes back to the fact that that no one was ever charged in this. It's not listed as a murder, Hmm. but they are open to it not being suicide. And so, uh, again, I don't think anyone's actively researching this, and I don't know at this point what you would be able to prove (laughs) when everyone involved is dead. It's kind of a lost cause at this point, I feel like. Like, that's all speculation. It's all speculation. Unless we come up with... Unless we... You can suddenly trace what happened to Ronnie and find out that he, like, wrote a deathbed confession or whatever. We're not going to have more details. We need some new piece of information coming out. And at this point, when so many of the people involved are dead, I don't see that happening. But you never know. Maybe they'll come back and haunt us in our dreams and tell us what happened. Uh, I'll report back after I go to sleep tonight. Noted. Can't wait to hear. <laughs> Before we wrap this up. Okay. Is that you mentioned one of the letters that mm-hmm. Chris wrote. She had said that she couldn't bear to see her dude with another woman. Sure. Yeah. And then she gave the letter to Ronnie, right? Mm-hmm. But if the other woman is in air quotes... And she's referencing. Oh, shit. Maybe she's referencing Ronnie and like giving it to him to be like, this is your fault. You're oh, shit. That anything. hadn't even occurred to me as to why she could be giving them to him as a like. You are you are destroying me because I know you two are involved and it's hurting me. Oh, he's the other woman. He's the other woman. I had not even thought to look at it in that perspective. And, like, if you're leaving any kind of written record, like, she can't say in the letter because you two are involved. Because if this, if she does succeed and this is what is shown to her family, she doesn't want to embarrass him. She doesn't want to embarrass anyone or bring. I hadn't even thought about that angle, but that's fascinating. Eh, just a thought to no, not be so a- literal. That's really interesting. My my brain hadn't even gone there as to an explanation as why she's continuing to give these things to Ronnie. It's not just because 
potentially she trusts him or thinks of him as as a confidant but because she's like yeah but like saying i think of you as a brother how could you do something like this to me maybe yeah and like bro read between the lines dudes are so dense no dude reads between any lines no but that that's really really interesting because i had not thought of that angle at all and that's a really interesting thing to look at in terms of motive of sure why, why he was the person and why he's like and that's where I also I wonder about the conversation she had with her sister where she broke up with this other dude but was upset and crying because she said Ronnie said something to her I wish I knew more details of that conversation same anywho I just thought that was a thing to no to I'm, I'm glad you brought that point up that's really interesting well thank you for that yeah and this brings us to Creepy Critics Corner! Creepy Critics Corner! Kim, what have you been watching for the continuous 100 Days of Horror? <laughs> 100 Days of Horror and then some. Uh, well, so I recently watched, I watched a couple films I was I was pretty stoked on. I watched a movie called All About Evil. Oh, is it truly all about evil? It was a motherfucking delight. <laughs> nice. Uh, it was, it's Natasha Leone. Oh, your favorite. I love her. I know. I I love her. Uh, it, it came out in 2010. I'm not sure how this didn't cross my radar, but it's a ridiculous movie. It's over the top. It's super silly. It. I'm trying to think of like in terms of tone. Like, did you ever see Serial Mom? No. It's another one that it's another great movie. Serial Mom. I haven't watched that in a long time. But just like completely ridiculous black comedy everything's over the top everything's silly but i super dug it it's this this woman who inherits a movie theater from her father Mm -hmm. and she'd always kind of wanted to be an actress but like when she was a kid she was performing in the movie theater and accidentally gets electrocuted and has always been a little off ever since (laughs) nice um and uh, do you know peaches christ (laughs) No. Drag queen. Drag performer. Nice. Uh, who's actually, I'm not sure what their non-drag name is. I will have to look that up. But this was, they directed it. This oh, was their cool. like movie directorial debut. I think they wrote the screenplay for it too. But it's it's just, it's a ridiculous movie. It is a really good time. Um, she ends up killing someone in a fit of rage. And it accidentally gets broadcasted in the movie. But everybody thinks that it's a short film. So she leans into it. Oh, okay. Again, very silly, but a really good time. Um, I also watched a movie called The Bigfoot Trap. That sounds like it's so up your alley. It was a surprise. I was actually, I had zero expectations going into this. I was ready for it to not be good at all. It was low budget, so there was obvious limitations that come from from making something low budget, but it it's about this guy who has kind of an internet show uh, 
where he interviews people doing like with create like a flat earther like kind of crazy situations and he hears about this dude who is convinced that bigfoot's real and that he's seen him and he's building a bigfoot trap so he goes out to interview this guy and shenanigans ensue um there were some times where the low budget obviously they were they were very much restricted by some other special effects and whatever but honestly it was a solid film it it was fun uh, the the performances were good. The the writing was pretty solid. Uh, I I enjoyed myself. So nice. if you want kind of a fun Bigfoot movie, low stakes, not you know nothing that's gonna change your view on the universe, but was a was a good time. Then check out uh, Bigfoot Trap. That sounds there you go. great. I would I watch that. Yeah. What you nice. been watching? My mom has been in town for the last mm. two years. No, like 10, <laughs> twelve days. Um, and so my watching has been limited based on her preferences she did watch some 90 day fiance with me and was like what is this shit this is terrible turn it off so i will not reference that um i watched two full seasons of that sex in the city show it's like the new one oh the new one the new one well the Um, second season the season don't ask me why I know this. The season finale is airing on Thursday, which by the time this airs will have been a, like last week or whatever. Yes. But, so she's very yeah. excited for that now because we finished up until that point today. <laughs> oh, man. I hate watch that show so hard. I, I watched it. It's funny because I Sex in the City for me, this is kind of like fucked up, I guess. But it's like a nostalgic show for me to watch with my mom. Oh, sure. Like I no, used to I, watch yeah. that as a young teen with my mom and my bubby (laughs) like the three of us used to watch that show together with all of the gratuitous sex scenes and you wonder why it turned out the way i did i guess um but thank you uh maj for that um but so i've been watching a stupid amount of that and then also started the show 1923 Mm -hmm. um it's on paramount plus and i guess it's the like precursor to um, Yellowstone, which I've never seen Yellowstone, but oh yeah, my folks are really into that. I thought my mom would like it because it's got Harrison Ford, and she loves Harrison Ford, and it's got Helen Mirren and Harrison Ford. I love Helen Mirren, and so, I do too. And so I was like, well, there's probably a lot of violence. Yes, 100, percent lots of violence. Um, sure, but also just like really good storytelling in it. Okay, um, and the the like actual <clears throat> scenes and um. The sets are really cool. It takes place in Montana in 1923, because that's the title of the show. Um, What? But we've watched, like, eight episodes in a day. Like, it's... Wow. Clearly, we're not doing a ton of other things when watching shows. But it's it's pretty good. And then for the sake of things we normally watch, um, I've been watching the new season of What We Do in the Shadows, which Mm, initially was kind of, like, a little disappointed. And mm-hmm. then it got its momentum. <laughs> so if you've been watching the new season of What We Do in the Shadows, there is a point where uh, our friend, the energy vampire, <laughs> uh, Colin, uh, decides to run for office. And ooh, ooh, it's a good time. Um, mm. That episode is the peak of this season so far. Um, so highly recommend that. But I haven't watched any movies outside of Barbie, which I did go and see with my mom again. Love it. Um, Love it. But yeah, I uh, I haven't been doing m- many movies, more shows than movies lately. Okay. But yeah, that's what I've been watching. Um, but I feel like 1923 is like a good show to watch with your family. <laughs> I know it's like weird, but like 
I don't know. I think it's pretty good. It's got a cute little no, love story in it too, which is It's a very parent friendly show. Yeah. From what I know of it. Yeah. The whole time my mom's like, Steve would love this. <laughs> so I guess <laughs> she might be rewatching it with him when she goes home. Um, but yeah, so that's what I've been watching. So uh, nice. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, if you like what you hear, let us know. Um, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and let us know, uh, you know, if you, you like it. If you don't, just keep that to yourself. <laughs> and then just, like, shoot us a message on Instagram and say hi. Um, also, Patreon. If you would like to contribute financially, we have a Patreon. has some extra content on there, some fun stuff, some bloopers. <laughs> we are definitely not perfect. Always shown in our uh, seasonal bloopers. Um, mm-hmm. And... Thank you just for listening and being a part of our, our you know, ghoulish fam. Uh, and having said that, thank you for listening. And stay, stay.